0: To lead with purpose in these troubled times. Applications are open now for 2025, so head to
1: smallgiants.com.au forward slash MBE to learn more and sign up. This podcast is brought to you by our B Corp friends at Hatched, a strategic agency that designs business for good. Purpose driven businesses are proven to be more successful and resilient in times of change. Plus, They meet the evolving values of consumers and employees who expect more from businesses. Hatched helps organisations take the purposeful path. Whether you are starting out, scaling up or reinventing yourself, Hatched helps you embed purpose and measure impact in your organisation. Check out www.hatched.io for more information.
2: Hi there, listener. Nathan from Dumbo Feather here. This month on the podcast, we're hearing from TV presenter Osher Gunsberg. Most well-known for his hosting gigs on The Bachelor and Australian Idol, Osher is now telling his own story, specifically what it's like to live with addiction and mental illness. He recently wrote a memoir, Back After the Break, all about that tumultuous time in his life and how he's worked through it and continues to work through it today. In this episode, recorded live for an event with our friends from the School of Life, Usher chats with Sham Pryor on the theme of vulnerability, exploring social anxiety, why the first thing he does in the morning is write a gratitude list, and the importance of being his whole self in front of his family.
0: We all feel like being vulnerable is a high-stakes thing, don't we? For some of, for some of us, it's only high-stakes in our own minds. For you, given your professional life given the um number of people who thought they knew all about you and were invested in you it's a whole other level of high stakes to tell everyone (laughs) all the heart racing you know dark dark stuff that's in here why didn't you just deal with all of that stuff keep it to yourself as many people in the industry do Mm. why did you want to Tell us all.
3: Um, It goes back to the power of sharing stories and um, wanting to repay the power of storytelling that was given to me. Um, Those meetings that helped me get sober, I truly couldn't conceive of a life without drinking, all right, because it was all I knew. Um, I didn't know how I would ever work, stand in a room, I'd been diagnosed with social anxiety a few years before I didn't know how I'd talk to strangers I didn't know how I'd walk out the front of my house I had no clue and then I hear someone else tell a story of how they were exactly where I was and here they are a year and a half at that point later he's married, he's got a kid on the way, he's got a job again he's got money coming in I'm Like, oh wow, so it can be done alright, it can be done and it was in stories like that that helped me, um, and, and I learn, I guess, and have the faith that just because I can't picture it doesn't mean that it can't be done. Just give up the idea that your ideas are the best ideas. Someone else has got a better idea of how to do this. Um, and it's in a storytelling that that's the case. And similarly, when I was struggling with uh, suicidal ideation, um, I, uh, I, started a, I started a podcast with Movember. <laughs> I'm like, I need to speak to suicide survivors. I know. Mm. So I pitched the guy from... Uh, Adam, his he's a lovely bloke. He runs November in America. We are out for a paddle in Venice speech. I said, oh, should we should do a podcast. We should talk about this. hey yeah, yeah. Let's go. And away we went. And so every week I would speak to a, another, you know, a, an incredible man and often they were guys who survived suicide. And hearing... Even though I was in the depths of it, and I, I distinctly remember recording it just like swimming in this paranoia and trying to keep it together on the Skype call. Um hearing someone on the other side tell their story like, oh, you can get better. Even though I can't see it at this point, you can get better. So for me to tell my story is a way of trying to do that on a bigger than a one-on-one scale because mm. it was so helpful to me, so transformative to me to be able to share my story. Because um, you know you're not alone. True, and that's, that's the wonderful thing. Mm. And the most extraordinary thing is the, the story that I heard that resonated with me the most... Was told by a 64-year-old Texan woman who was about five foot two, <laughs> and I'm a white cis straight kid from the suburbs of Brisbane. All right, but <laughs> we, it was almost as if she was telling my life story. So it's so important. It's so important to share. That's why I did.
0: Mm. So um, you and I have a bit in common, as it turns out. Um, I mean, we've both had careers in the media, although mine have been. know slightly quieter Um, we've both dealt with social anxiety Mm. um, and I suspect that for both of us most people would find it well with me do find it hard to believe that we are socially anxious because of what we do for a living you know sit here and talk to people like you or go on television and talk to many many people and in my memoir shy I talk about this feeling that there are two different versions of me. There's shy shan and professional shan. And I was so interested to read in in your book about how you when you're in front of a camera, it's almost like that's when you feel least vulnerable. Mm. That's when the calm descends. So what's that about?
3: <laughs> um, yeah it's it's extraordinary, isn't it, that, you know, to be on, on a on a live camera in front of And at one point, it was like 10 million Americans. It's like, absolute bliss. Because for me, anxiety and social anxiety was all about a lack of control over the situation. When am I more in control than when I'm on stage, when I'm on a live camera, when I'm speaking and everyone else is quiet, when I get to say what happens next, when I know exactly what happens next? They might only be brief, fleeting moments, but they are the things that would give me so much peace. Like say what you like about him and maybe his personal choices aren't the greatest but Tiger Woods won the US Masters on golf swings that took him a second and a half you know these moments of his life all right but I'll bet you here he plays those perfect swings goes ah Kelly Slater you know wins a world title on a 12 second long wave they're not long periods of time but that's enough it's like oh man I'm good for another week (laughs) it really
0: is but is that to do with, um, like, is that an adrenaline? Is that a no, adrenaline it's, totally a, thing. it's control- totally a control
3: thing. It's Totally a control thing. And my wife in, um, identified it perfectly. We were on holiday uh, in a place where... We were overseas and we were in a place where, you know, a guest flight centre was having a special because we were there. with It was like us and all of Australia were there as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she... You know, I'm very, very lucky that I have a job where... You know, people feel they know me, that means I do my job well because it means that I'm professing who I am authentically on camera. Um, So they feel completely comfortable to walk up to me and touch me and grab me and take a photo with me. (laughs) Pretty fucking weird when strangers touch you and grab you, but, you know. (laughs) Anyway, um, she said, you know what's really interesting? And I don't know if you'd uh, appreciate this. When when I initiate the interaction, it's totally fine. It's totally fine and I'm super calm and my energy is really fine. When I don't initiate the reaction, when someone walks over and talks to me, I can see them approaching and I'm like, please don't talk to me, please don't talk to me. <laughs> you know? And she's like, you freeze up. You totally... She's like, get over yourself and take the fucking photo. It's like, thank you. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I still struggle. I still struggle. I was like that today. I was out of the shops today and I was like, please don't talk to me.
0: <laughs> You've chosen a pretty weird profession for someone who <laughs> I know anxiety. my coping
3: mechanism became the thing because I the coping mechanism was if you're gonna think because um, what social anxiety for me was I'm terrified of what you might think of me how can I control what you might think of me? I will be over the top and super outlandish and really big so then I'm at least in some control of your judgment of me all right so I was nine um, when I made this up and I lived that way for a long time um, and so that was. You know, that's that's kind of where it, that's kind of where it came from. So my coping mechanism of me being big was like, oh, you're good on stage. Get back up there, and that became the thing that, I, oh, this is, feels good. I feel safe up here, and that became the thing I ended up getting paid for.
0: So yeah, vulnerability is so much about safety, isn't it? About mm-hmm. how to stay safe. You know, and it broke my heart reading your descriptions of you as a little kid being bullied in the. Schoolyard, you know, and it breaks your heart because you know this goes on all over the world. Yeah. Um And that it scars people, and people deal with this stuff forever and ever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how to feel safe even when you're trying to be vulnerable?
3: Um, that's a good question. I would say how to feel safe when you're trying to be vulnerable is to. Make sure you have a, a bit of a disciplined practice, you know, in your life to know that you control some things in your day. And for me, that has, you know, I, I came off meds in December 2017. It was a rough reentry, entry um, And I've got to thank Audrey and, and Georgia very, very much for dealing with me as I tried to cope with with the world at full volume again. Um, But it was once I started training every day, once I just deliberately went, all right, I'm just going to have to try to get eight hours sleep like like I'm a soldier, you know? I just have to do this. I have to make sure I eat right. I have to make sure that I write this gratitude list every day. I just have to do it every single day. There's this discipline about the things that I can control, which is how much I move my body, how much sleep I can get, what food I eat, the people I spend time with. You can control those things in your day and as you start to get a little more of those controlled things back in every little aspect that you can control, in my experience, my brain started to go, okay, so we're not just swirling in this maelstrom of the world happening to us. We are in control of this little part of us and everything else starts to happen around you and we can choose more and more how to react to it. It doesn't happen overnight, but... When it comes to being vulnerable, if you've got, if you're building that kind of fortress, fortress is the wrong word for social anxiety people. If you're <laughs> building that foundation, if you're building that foundation and that fortitude, you can, you know, it, it, it'll. I found it, it gives me a, a lot more resilience in dealing with intangibles.
0: You mentioned when when we were talking about social anxiety that it's about wanting uh, people to approve of you, and this is yes. stuff that I found in my research from my book, was that psychologists say the essence of social anxiety is fear of negative evaluation, <laughs> which makes us, you know, very anxious people-pleasers because we want everyone to like us and True. not negatively evaluate us. So are you, do you feel okay now about people potentially not liking you?
3: Way more okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Way more okay than I ever, ever did. Um, I guess it also comes with being old. <laughs> you know, I have to shave when I'm on batch, but yeah, I'm grey. Right? <laughs> I keep the hair on my sides short so you don't see the grey. So I'm old, grey chest hair. It's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, that comes from. I think that comes from, from age, and also, like I, like I said before, you know, the, when the, the super. I truly believe the superpower that we have as humans when we have a healthy brain is we can choose how we feel about things. And when I was sick, I I'd lost that. And that was very, very tough. I no longer had the control over how I felt about something. Um, but as I got better and better and better and rebuilt those neural pathways, um, I was able to choose more and more how I, how I feel about things. And it's the blink of an eye. The blink of an eye, we can be, I, I can't stand the fact that I'm on a bus. And boom, look at this. I'm with a group of people that live in the same community as me. Look at us. We all live different lives. We all grew up in different parts of the world, different parts of the country. We're all doing the same thing together. This is awesome. It's a blink of an eye. (laughs) All right? And we can choose that, which is pretty great.
0: So um, I'm curious about gender and and vulnerability. Yes. Do you think it's harder for men or the stakes are higher to generalise, to grossly generalise? for men in being vulnerable, in showing their vulnerability?
3: I only know what it's like to be white and straight and male and middle class. I would never pretend to know what it's like to be, or have any clue what it is to be anything other. I'll, I'll tell you this, this story. Um, the other night my um, kid was getting ready for a party with her friends and, you know, they are like nearly 15. And there were four girls around, it was a fancy dress party. They spent the afternoon at the store, the fancy dress store in Alexandria, picking all their things. They were playing all their favorite songs, they were doing their makeup, they're dancing around, they're taking photos, they're having the best time ever at our house, all right? Ever. I'm like, this is, ex- this is the best. We drive to the party. Those kids have got the Spotify locked down. The <laughs> PA is pumping. They self censor They don't say any of the swear words in the Cardi B song, but we all know they know them, but they don't say it. <laughs> and it was so good. It was just the best. And we get there. And there's these roaming packs of, like, 15-year-old... <laughs> <laughs> Bets won't let us in because we smell like beer. And the guy actually kicked a tree. (laughs) And my heart broke, because I only knew what it was like to be him. I never had that fun experience as a teenager. I never had that amount of joy and just unbridled, just fun and delight with my friends before we went to a party. It was always like, oh, if that fucker's there, I'm going to fucking... It was just... (laughs) You know? (laughs) People are amping each other up, you know? And other men in the room may know what I'm talking about in that just, and, and my heart broke. It's like, what did I miss out on? I could have just been having a fun time this whole time. <laughs> and it, but it really, it really makes me, you know, if, if there is to be an intervention in, in the answer to your question, it, mm. it wouldn't need to be, it would need to be before the hormones kick in. It would need to be, you know, in my opinion, it would need to be early on. Because then you're like, you're 15 and you're kicking a tree and that's all the only way you know how to deal with, you know, difficulty. You don't know how to emotionally regulate. So you kick a tree. <laughs> his parents are probably paying a lot of money for his education too. Because <laughs> in brought clues. You know, it's not a cheap, <laughs> not a cheap part of the city to live in, you know.
0: Well, they say that... Often anger is actually just fear that's morphed into something else.
3: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, There's yeah. T- yeah, in the words of Bill Hicks, there's two emotions, fear and love. That's it. That's it. Anger's fear. Absolutely.
0: Mm. So um, doing the work, I was really interested when you were describing having a gratitude journal and writing mm. things down. When did you start doing that and and what do you do? Tell us about your this um, therapy.
3: Well, I'm a, well, I started doing it as a part of uh, the... the super secret sober club and um, <laughs> it, it's, it's really powerful. I'll never forget um, the day I called up my, um, let's call him my mentor. Um, I said, hey, David, uh, my wife just asked me for a divorce. And he goes, all right, pal, I want you to write down 10 things you're grateful for. I don't think you heard me, man. I've just come straight from the <laughs> thing. And she, she wants a divorce. She goes, yeah, I heard you, and I want you to write down 20 things you're grateful for. <laughs> um, I did, and he was right. It made it better. And it's actually, this is actually the science, proper science behind this. I'm a science guy, and there's, it's proven to work. But the way I would explain it to you is if you, you're all familiar with the, um, <coughs> was it Finland that created Lego? Who was it? Denmark? Denmark? Denmark. thank you. Um, Le- you're aware of Lego. They have little Lego people. All right. So imagine a little Lego person inside an uninflated balloon, all right? And the balloon is all your fears and anx- anxiousness pushing up against your body, all right? That's you inside the balloon. Fuck, shit, all right? <laughs> you take a breath. You blow, you know, one breath into that balloon. You start to give the little guy some space, all right? And then you write it, breathe another thing in it, another thing soon enough it's bigger and bigger, and now he's got a lot more space to move. Sure, those things are still there, but they're a little further away. Like, they become the walls of this room. Similarly, when I write down what I'm grateful for, it's first thing in the morning, it's the first thing I do after my first sip of coffee. It's usually always my wife. Um, whatever it is in my life that might be bothering me, like, it's f- fucking 42 degrees in late February. <laughs> this is really, really bad where on earth is going to be safe? Nowhere on earth is going to be safe. I'm fucking terrified. I woke up this morning and I got to kiss my wife and tell her I loved her. Ah, that's one good thing in my life. All right. What's another good thing? Oh, my kid danced around the living room for us last night. That was amazing. That's your second good thing. Okay, so world's ending. Here's two things that are nice. Okay? But then as you start to build and you feel it in your body as you start to build those things that you're truly grateful for oh, i've got food in my fridge i've got food that i can feed me and my family with we have clean water abundance clean of clean water this is incredible there's so many people in this world that don't have this. you start to build 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 the things that are awesome in your life and soon enough the thing that is really frightening starts to become there's parity, and starts to, and it's the smaller thing and you go okay So here's this thing that's really quite scary. But over here is all the things that are actually going pretty well. All right. So now from this space of things are all right, we can start to talk about this. All right, so I'm not so owned and just paralysed by this. I can stand over here and go, okay, let's have a conversation about that. And that's... Does that explain why it works? You should be a therapist. Okay. (laughs) Next career move. (laughs) I I would like to think that there's probably more than one therapist sitting on their boat right now going... (laughs) I remember him. I'm glad he came. Jeeves, <laughs> 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 uh, take us to Lindemann. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's worth it. Oh, my God. I, I, I do not accept re- Except that one guy. I don't regret... Uh, we've all had bad experiences with therapists. I've had a bad experience with a therapist. Um, I don't regret a dollar that I've spent on on my own therapy. No way at all. You know, it's like, would you regret if you're working in the field that you love, would you regret the money you spent on your degree? Probably not, you know. It's like it got you where you are. Like, I wouldn't regret a dollar that I spent, even though it's been significant, <laughs> especially living in America and the health care system there, which is a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the illness care centre.
3: That's a no good spot.
0: Um... So how do we... Is this just a one-by-one, one-person-by-one-person one thing that has to be done, this, this uh, reframing of and embracing of vulnerability? Is there anything we can do big picture, socially, social policy, I don't know, education? Is there a big answer to <laughs> this individual issue of how to allow ourselves to be vulnerable?
3: Um, I would say that it it starts with, uh, like, many things, like, oh, if you really want to dive down a rabbit hole, look at what... Okay. Uh, look at the role that Tiffany's played in creating the diamond ring as an engagement gift. Mm-hmm. They did it through petitioning scriptwriters and putting it in movies and having... You know, the way that it's got to happen like this, he's got to be on his knee, she's got to be surprised, da 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 and that, So And then it became a part of this. It's a story. It's a story. And it, then it suddenly became the norm. And then now it's the thing. But it wasn't always that way. Um, it starts through popular culture. It starts through um, writing and advertising and um, drama and in our case, in reality television, in bringing these ideas through to the, the, uh, the, the general population, I don't think it's the sort of thing you put in a state school syllabus um, and it, because it's the sort of thing that you want people, to encourage people to you know, have normalcy around for their kids, all right? Uh, and I have great hope for that. I mean, last night on Dancing with the Stars, the best dance of the night was a 35-year-old drag queen from Brisbane... On national primetime network television. Uh, he's an incredible guy, Shane. If you're ever interested in his story, it's incredible. Shane Jenick is Courtney Act. Courtney Ack is Shane Jennick. Very amazing. Um, but what does that show you, you know? That that shows you that our society is, is willing to and ex- accept and embrace something that is somewhat of a fringe idea, even only 20 years ago. So it's not gonna happen overnight, but I would certainly, you know, hope that the more this sort of thing is, is demonstrated through, I don't know, like all you need is the not happy Jan of vulnerability for a you know, TV commercial <laughs> and the ideas in the public and then boom, it's away. Um, but, you know, I I've said three words there and you know exactly what I meant. Yeah. All right? So it's just who's the copywriter that's going to give us that ad? Who's the YouTuber that's going to give us that completely over-the-top 20 million views in three hours video that will, ah, oh, there it is. And then suddenly everybody gets it.
0: So you mentioned shows, reality TV shows. Yes. Do you think that people watch these shows in their droves to watch vulnerability, to watch people dealing with being vulnerable?
3: Um, I've always felt that reality television, certainly the kind of reality TV that I've had experience with, which was one uh, singing show... Uh, a short-lived but ever-so-loved photography show and a um, this particular show with the roses. Um, people watch these kind of shows f- for the ability to experience triumph and also experience failure um, vicariously. It's the same reason we like to watch sport. You know, we didn't train. We're not getting... Tackled in the head by a hundred and twenty kilo Tongan fullback, <laughs> but when our team scores, we'll feel like we won, even though we're sitting on our couch, you know. So we want to we want to feel those those things by watching vicariously. And similarly, um, when you know we watch, uh, for example, on a show like um, Dancing with the Stars, when someone has a terrible dance and they trip or fall or have a terrible move, there's that we can feel that failure, but safely. All right. Similarly, on on Bachelor, when People are either, you know, having this moment that's either super romantic that we might not have been brave enough to do. We go, oh, right, there's a night. I'm good, okay, I might be able to do that now. I felt it in my body, I know how it feels, I might try it. Or when something really cringeworthy happens, it's like, oh, man, I'd never say that or do that, but now I've got a chance to feel what it feels like when it happens from the safety of my house and the group chat. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the group chat. <laughs> all about the group chat. But I mean, like, yeah, to answer your question, like the, from earlier, that's where it might start, you know, in the group chat. I've got a group chat with a bunch of nefarious guys I've played poker with since two thousand and four, and some of the some of the stuff that goes on in there is like, you know, it's really interesting. It's really interesting because <laughs> it can like be some. it can be blokes being blokey blokey bloke, or then, you know, when like from the other day I put a photo of the, the ultrasound of the child that's growing inside of Audrey, and just just a flood of love and kindness from these guys, it's just, it's really nice.
0: How will you teach your children, your stepdaughter and this child that...
3: Chickpea, we're calling it.
0: Chickpea. (laughs) About vulnerability.
3: Um, In my experience, and any parent in the room will probably know what I'm talking about, if you say... And here's how you deal with this. (laughs) Um, That is the absolute surefire guarantee way to... They will do the exact opposite. (laughs) Because they don't want to know. The only way to do it is... Mirror neurons are incredible things. The only way to do it is through living it, demonstrating it. Um, I try to make sure that G sees me doing dishes, washing up, you know, hanging laundry, vacuuming, like... That's, you know, she's only ever seen me do that as often as I can. She's seen you cry? Yeah, all the time, yeah. She's weird when she does. And that's only been since I came off meds. I can cry now, which is great. Um, Do you always cry when you see the ultrasound? Yeah? Okay, thank you. Because it's been happening every time. I'm like, is this normal? Anyway. (laughs) Um, That's because I want her, when she, you know, gets into her own cohabiting relationship, I want her to go, well, hang on a second... This isn't how it works. You you do stuff. You live here too. Clean up after yourself. Um, and i found that's the only way that, that I can possibly teach something like that is through living it and then they just copy, which then you've got to be on, on the point though because if you've got any kind of weird anxieties or anything like that, they will copy that too. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. So if you don't sort your shit out for yourself, do it for the people that are copying you because they will copy you. <laughs>
0: um So when I was writing my book, uh, My Memoir Shy, I was doing it as a creative practice PhD uh, and so I had to write all of this scholarly stuff. I was like, what am I going to write about? I just want to write this book. And one of the chapters ended up being all about Uh self-pity because what I was very concerned about in writing my book was that I did not sound self-pitying. I didn't want this to be a, oh, poor me, with my shyness thing. Uh, and I'm not the first memoirist. We are not the first memoirists to deal with this challenge. Um, Joan Didion's beautiful book, The Year of Magical Thinking, I think is the third sentence in the book is, the question of self-pity. And I'm, I started to think very deeply about why do we not want to read or write uh, a self-pitying voice? And my conclusion in my PhD, was because self-pity is a, a state of, of stasis. When you're feeling self-pity, you are stuck. hmm So um, how do you get out of the stuckness? If you're feeling vulnerable, you're feeling self-pitying, possibly for very good reasons, bad stuff has happened to you or you're dealing with trauma from a long time ago. Yeah. How do you make that step to get out of the quicksand?
3: Well... You just have to, and in, this is, I've had to learn this, unfortunately, a number of times, that uh, the only way out of the flames is through, all right? No one's going to move you. And if they do, it is never sustainable because then your happiness, your ability to function relies on somebody else. Uh, and it's not a powerful place to be, Um you become unsafe to be around if you're a victim. Um, but it just takes the... I guess, Shanta, the, 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 the thing that really helped me was to have a, a, a reason, look for a reason to, to move. Because um, it was so overwhelming. It was so, so overwhelming. And the option that my brain was giving me was very very nearby and was a path to peace and quiet and finally it would all stop but it was a very permanent choice um, but then having met uh, Audrey and Georgia I was like wow this could be worth sticking around for just just having a reason to to do it and that can also just start with helping other people you know um, just give someone a call that there's someone not doing as well as you, even though you might not be doing well. There's someone not doing as well as you. Um, give them a call, ask them how the day is. And that can be enough to, to give it a nudge. You don't have to go from zero to hero. It's just, it's, if I took one centimetre step forward, you might not even be able to perceive that I've moved. But if I take one centimetre step forward every single day, in a month I'll be at that back door. All right, it's, it's just knowing that if you want to get through that door it's okay we don't have to go full steps we can just go this far that's all you have to do just this far I mean, I mean the, just breaking it down into that granularity what's the tiniest tiniest motion you can take towards a better place than where you are now sometimes when, when I was getting sober sometimes it was like <laughs> they say a day at a time sometimes it was an hour at a time Sometimes it was 15 minutes at a time. What's the tiniest thing you can do? And you just do that. And then those little things, small habits, small habits repeated daily will create extraordinary change. More change than trying to do one or two leaps and then failing and then not doing anything for a month. You know, We've all joined a gym, worked out real hard, got super sore and never gone back. <laughs> all right? But you can walk 100 meters today and then walk 110 tomorrow. And then walk 120. Within two months, you'll be walking a K every day. That's extraordinary.
2: Thank you so much for listening. And a huge thanks to Osha, Shan, and the School of Life for allowing us to share this conversation with you. You can find links to Osha's book, Back After the Break, and Shan's book, Shy a memoir, in our show notes. And for more from Osha, check out our conversation with him from issue 57 of Dumbo Feather, Healing Ourselves. This edited conversation was produced by our digital editor, Lizzie, and the music you hear is by Dennis Liu. Stay tuned for our next conversation, or hear it first by subscribing to the Dumbo Feather podcast on your favourite pod channel. For more conversations with extraordinary people, subscribe to Dumbo Feather
1: at dumbofeather.com. We deliver worldwide. This podcast is supported by our friends at Impact Investment Group and Giant Leap, a venture capital fund that invests in businesses doing good in the world. One of Giant Leap's key themes is health and wellbeing, which means that they look for innovative businesses improving physical and mental well-being in communities. Impact Investment Group is also a B Corp, a group of businesses dedicated to social and environmental change while still making a buck. You can read more about Impact Investment Group by visiting dumbofeather.com forward slash b. When you travel with G-Adventures, you do more than just see the world. You experience it. Sure, their small group tours take you places, but they also help you see them in a different way. That's because G-Adventures believe... Travel should challenge you to understand that our world is bigger than you could have ever imagined. All you have to do is arrive with an open mind. Our world deserves more you. Visit gadventures.com.au for more.